turn your Bibles tonight to the book of Philippians, chapter 3. And we're mainly going to deal with verse 10. I will read in just a few minutes verses 7 through 14. The Bible character for tonight is the Apostle Paul. We could definitely make a series out of him. I'm not going to do it. I've probably preached more on him than, than any other character of the Bible aside from uh, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, of course. God used him to write so many books. There's so much that we could share about him. I've preached a lot of sermons uh, from uh, the books that God used him to write. And several, I didn't look them up, but several from these verses right in here, typically around 10 to 14. I don't think I got the point across a lot. I, I think about when I was first called to preach and, and I loved these verses and, and I tried to preach them and everything I said was truth. I don't know about the way it was arranged. And, and then to think about everything that is said here, uh, the portion we're going to share tonight was probably a tenth of the message of everything I shared before. So right here in verse 10, we're, we're going to go to a few specific words. I might have made two or three statements about this phrase in the midst of a whole sermon. And, you know, how much can we really get from that? I, I sit and I think about how much we're going to try to share from just one little portion. And, and you wonder if it's enough. Um, but anyway... Just sharing the thoughts of what I go through and thinking about how to bring the message. Um, here we go. And I'm just going to start out with a few questions for us tonight to reflect on. And that is, do we set spiritual goals in our lives? You know, we, we set goals for our finances. We set goals for our education. We set goals for our career. How about our spiritual life? Do we have goals? What is our plan for maturing as children of God? Every single one of us would say, it's good to mature where we ought to grow. What's the plan to grow? What is it that is going to help you and I to know Jesus Christ more and more? Is that our desire right now? Do we, do we have an awareness and a focus of, of, that des, of a desire to grow in Christ? Do we have a longing to experience him more closely? The Apostle Paul helps us out with all of these questions by getting very personal with us about his personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and I'm going to read verses 7 through 14, and then we're going to come back to verse 10. Listen and see if you think Paul has a spiritual goal in his life. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, 
For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Well, I would say that Paul has a spiritual aim for his life. He has set goals with God. And he has a passion and a longing to be continually moving in the direction of those goals that he has. And he is sharing it with you and I. The Apostle Paul is. As we consider his life, his testimony, the example that he is, we should be on the edge of our seats as he shares his heart. That we might reflect on whether his desire is our desire. Or maybe tonight one or many might realize that we want our desire to be right and to be like his desire. As we focus on one portion of this divine longing in Paul tonight, it's going to be in verse 10. And, and it just may be that this portion we're going to share tonight really stands out different from the rest. We read through everything and we kind of give it a check. We give it a check. And then we come across how Paul writes that I may know him and then go down a little bit more in that verse. And it says, and the fellowship of his sufferings. We read that and I don't know, maybe some people might wonder if a mistake was made. By Paul in what he said here. Or he wants to know the fellowship of his sufferings. He wants to know the deepest most painful sufferings of Jesus. Maybe the fellowship of his sufferings. Maybe that's not what it sounds like here. Might be what some people are thinking. But it is. And Paul is stating here a longing to relate to the deepest pains of Jesus that he possibly could. Man, Paul, Christians just don't go around saying that these days. But that, that just doesn't seem to be the desire and the passion that comes out of a Christian's mouth from their hearts today. You know, the Christian's prayer request is to have 
protection from suffering. You know, for, for blessings. For the meeting of needs. If that's what Paul was saying was the longing of his heart, then, then we could understand that. But that's not what Paul's sharing as the desire of his heart with us tonight. But instead, that he would have the experiential knowledge of the sufferings of Christ. When he says that I may know him, that speaks of a knowledge, but an experiential knowledge to gain by experience that he would experience the things that Christ suffered that he may have the fellowship of that suffering. He wants to weep over lost souls the way Jesus weeps over lost souls. He wants to sympathize with others the way Jesus sympathizes with others. And, and look, we know that this is truly the heart of Paul because it is the word of God. So this is no doubt the longing of Paul's heart. And this is not a natural desire. No one's that good. Some people might say it out of a natural desire, but they don't mean it. It's for attention or something like that. It wouldn't be a natural desire for us, and it's not a natural desire for Paul. Nevertheless, it is his desire. So how did he get there? Not automatically when he was saved, I wouldn't think. In Acts chapter 9, we all know that that's Paul's traveling down the road to Damascus. And that's where he met Jesus on that road. And you know the questions that Jesus asked to him that convicted him. And then Paul asked him a question right in the midst of his salvation, I'm sure. And, and that was, what wilt thou have me to do? I doubt that he had suffering for Jesus Christ on his mind. I'm sure that at that point he did not have a desire to suffer for Christ. Paul grew in the Lord. And Paul was brought to this place by the Lord Jesus. He was being sanctified by truth. When God the Son prayed to God the Father in John 17, he said, sanctify them by thy truth. Thy word is truth. Paul was growing in the Lord. Paul was being sanctified by the Lord. He was transformed in his relationship to Jesus. He walked with Jesus and he came into a desire for a particular knowledge of Christ. And that is through suffering. Paul had an appreciation for the Lord's suffering. He, he suffered for us. He suffered to come to this earth and to live his perfect life among the betrayal, among, among all the poor treatment upon his life, among the beating. And Paul has an appreciation for the Lord's suffering, his physical suffering, and beyond that to the to the mental, to the emotional suffering. He had an appreciation for that. And Paul himself 
has been through some suffering. And we read of that. You don't have to turn there if you don't want. It's a familiar list in 2 Corinthians 11.23. And I'm going to read it. Paul writes, and they are ministers of Christ. I speak as a fool. I am more and labors more abundant, and stripes above measure, and prisons more frequent, and deaths off of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods, once I was, was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, of robbers, by my own countrymen, by the heathen, in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. This is some suffering that Paul went through. Paul did not want to suffer these things. No more than you and I did. But he did. Why? And it was a longing. Why did Paul suffer the way he did? Why did he long for that in a request we have here in the text tonight? Well, there are, there are many things we could point out. But I'd like us to share two reasons tonight. Two reasons for this longing for suffering. And one is that he loved Christ. He loved his Lord and Savior. You know, love is a springboard for service. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Paul loved Christ, therefore he wanted to suffer. He wanted to go through the suffering that his Lord and Savior did. I mean, that, that kind of sounds foreign to us maybe, and we're, we're taken back by it a little bit, but, but until we build up to that, just think about our relationships on this earth and think about love and relationship here. You know, true love shared between a man and a woman in marriage, always or should always seek to spare the pain or share the pain of one another. Think about that love relationship and, and what that means and what it does. I read a story of a wealthy man who lost it all. And he was heartbreaking over his loss, not for himself, but for his wife. He was going to have to break the bad news to his wife that he lost it all. And they were going to have to move out of the city. And they were going to have to go to a little place in the country. And he's building up to deliver this difficult information. And he finally does, expecting the worst, when to his amazement... He saw joy in his wife, and he saw a genuine happiness there. I mean, this is the hardest thing that it's said they ever faced. But she appears to be content. Why? Because she loves her husband, 
and considers it a privilege to share in his sorrow. There was one wife of a poet, and, and she dealt with her husband, this poet, and his lifelong illness and sickness. And she was his tower and his strength, he wrote in a poem, and always by his side. She shared in his suffering. Two soldiers in the Civil War, they're, they're out all night long, and true story, they don't even have a tent. They both have one blanket. They lay there shivering and one falls asleep. And the other watches his friend shivering asleep. And he gives him his other blanket and he throws it over him. And he gets up and he just marches. He just walks around and he waves his arms. He does everything he can to, to circulate and, and to cause some heat or to keep himself from freezing. And a few days later, he, froze, he, he died from that sacrifice that he made. His friend woke up warm with two blankets on him. But he died with a smile on his face saying, I was able to suffer for my friend. When you think about love and you think about suffering... The, the more we start thinking about this, the more the two really go together. You could say that sharing and suffering is the language of love, if you will. Paul wanted to share in the sufferings of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because he loved him. Jesus was the object of Paul's affection. Paul wanted to endure it. And joint participation with Jesus. The same sufferings that Christ endured, he wanted to endure. He wanted to bear the burdens of Jesus because of his love for Jesus. And as you and I are maturing, as you and I grow in our relationship with Christ, as our love continues to abound for him, we too will desire... His sufferings in our lives. It, it's what happens in a relationship of love. When we love Jesus, when it's an experiential love in a relationship with Jesus, we'll, we'll long to suffer for righteousness' sake. It's, I believe it's Peter who said it's better to suffer for doing good than to do it for doing bad. Everybody suffers in, in what they do. And, and we will long... To suffer for righteousness sake. To love Christ is to suffer for Christ. You really can't have one without the other. When we look at the word of God. And when we look at the life that he's given to us. And, and what's going to happen. We must through much tribulation enter the, the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says. The very love that we're saved by that is shed abroad in our hearts is sacrificial love. So we will continually long to share in his suffering. Paul did because he loved Christ. But not only because he loved Christ, but he longed to be like Christ. Suffering for righteousness sake is what Jesus did. You could sum up the life of Christ upon this earth 
as suffering for the sake of righteousness. That describes Jesus. So, when we suffer for righteousness sake, it causes us to be more like him. When we suffer for the sake of righteousness, we have more in common with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. No Christian can become more Christ-like without suffering for the sake of righteousness. It has to be involved. You know, to become a partaker of the divine nature, which is what happened when every person that's ever been saved is saved by Jesus Christ, we are appointed to be partakers of his suffering. You know, Jesus could not have fulfilled his mission upon this earth without the suffering that he went through. Jesus could not have fulfilled his mission and, and been an example and, and been a, a God of love without the suffering that he went through. Because he is love, it was a must that he must suffer. If you love, you're going to suffer. They go together. Because Jesus loves the lost, he cannot look upon the lost without hurt and suffering. He takes every tragic case of the human being to heart and he suffers because he loves all. In Isaiah 63, it's speaking of the Lord toward people. And it says in verse 9, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. And in his love and in his pity, he redeemed them. But they rebelled and vexed his Holy Spirit. There's, there's a lot of heartbreak and there's a lot of hurt. And there's a lot of suffering that goes on in ministering for Christ and loving others and seeming, seeming to want better for them than they want for themselves. Kind, kind of like the cow I heard of that, that the rancher just couldn't get him to come in where the, where the hay was and, and the water was. Everything he needed was in that gate. And a storm was coming. He just couldn't get him in. And he sat and he cried and he cried over that cow. Because he wouldn't come to what was good for him. And there, there's a suffering in that. Look, our afflictions afflict the Lord. He suffers over us. And to become more like him. Is for you and I to suffer over the affliction of others. That's what happens when a group gets together here from the church and goes out door knocking. You go stand on someone's front porch and you knock on the door and they open the door and you tell them why you're there and they seem very disinterested and you'll get the door closed in your face. And what do you do? You go right on next door knowing the same thing may happen. And you knock on that next door. 
Or how about when someone opens the door and you tell them the way to heaven through the glorious gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and they are in darkness deceived and they in their own deceived confidence tell you of another way that they are going to get there and it doesn't involve Jesus. Try walking away and absorbing that mentally and emotionally. That's a suffering that goes on when you, when you leave a doorstep of someone like that. But all this suffering makes a Christian to be more like Christ. We grow into loving like Christ, and we grow into grieving like Christ. We go through suffering as He does. It causes us to want to serve like Christ. Jesus loved us, and he gave himself for us. So we continue to try to rescue those who reject Jesus, which is exactly what he did. And so what we're starting to come into an understanding of, and, and more or less just a little talk tonight about this is, and what we get from these verses is Paul longed to be like Jesus. That was this great Christian's desire. That was his goal. That was his aim. That was his plan with God. That he could become more like Jesus. He longed to see others the way Jesus sees them. To feel toward others the way Jesus feels toward others. To sacrifice for others the way Jesus has sacrificed for all. And I tell you what, in a big way, God answered this request for Paul. We read some words that the Holy Spirit spoke through Paul. And it was allowed to be used in Paul's life for him to say... I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And here in this same book, in the first chapter, he says, as for me, to live is Christ. And something that just comes to my mind in, in verse 29 of chapter 1, he says, for unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ... Not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. It is given. That, that word given speaks of an opportunity. It's an opportunity we have to have these things in common with Christ. To have this longing in our life just as Christ has. Is this our goal? Is this our goal of our lives? Because it takes sharing in his sufferings to be more like Christ. There's no way around it. There's no doubt about it. And we won't want a way around it. It is going to be the longing of our heart the way it was for Paul. Paul was not more special than you or I as a child of God. He was saved the same way. He believed on the Lord Jesus Christ just as we have. Paul had to die daily, and we must die daily as, as Paul did. May we long 
to share in his sufferings. If that is the longing of our heart to share in his sufferings, oh, what a witness we will be to the lost. Without exposing that, without saying that, if that's the longing of our heart, we're going to be quite a witness to the lost. If that's the longing of our heart, God's going to make us quite a positive, contributing member of the Lord's church to do good in His house. May that be the desire of our hearts. God has enough grace for all of us to become more like his son through suffering. That I may know him. And, and the power of his resurrection. But this is where it is tonight. Paul said this. That I may know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. And, and as we share this tonight. This is not just. A next step that's nice that we can step up to as a child of God. This is what we're called to. This is the command of our Lord. This, we've been predestinated to be conformed to the image of God's dear Son. God's plan is that we be conformed to the image of His Son. God's plan is that we be more like Jesus. That's his command. That's his demand from our lives. We are representatives of Jesus Christ when we have been redeemed. One man tells it by way of a hand and a glove. We are the glove. The Lord is the hand. People see us. They see our movement. They see our impact. They feel the squeeze on their life. The warmth of the hand. They can't see him. They can't see the hand. But they see the glove. We're representatives of Jesus Christ. And that is our purpose. And that is to be. That is our aim. That is the goal. Even if we haven't set it in place in our lives like we should. To be more like Christ. But as we start to close. And as we start to think about Paul's longing. And his desire. To know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. There is a suffering of Jesus. That Paul never knew. That he could never know of. There is a suffering. No matter how much we might come to this place. Of longing in our love relationship with Jesus. To be like Jesus. That we would see suffering as we should through spiritual eyes. There is a suffering. That we will never go through. And that's the suffering of the cross. None of us will ever suffer the way Jesus suffered on that cross. We couldn't do it. Paul wished he could go to hell for his own countrymen. But he wasn't saying that as in, as in he thought that was a possibility that that would work. He knows that he couldn't produce what was produced on that hill of Golgotha when Jesus was nailed there and his blood flowed. 
And he suffered as the entire sins of all of us and all the world came upon him. No one will ever suffer. No one will be striven unto blood like that. But that's the suffering that Jesus took for all of us. We'll never know that side of that event. We have been pardoned. Our penalty has been paid. We have been set free. There's no condemnation for us because of this suffering that no one else will ever go through. As he took all of our sins, died, was buried, and raised again from the grave. Only Jesus will know the suffering that took place at Calvary. Suffering that could only take place by way of the sinless Son of God. You know, just a, just a little simplification as we close. If he suffered the way he did, why not us? But we go beyond that when we love him and when we want to be more like him. Many things we could have shared from Paul tonight. But how about one of those that boggle our mind? His longing and his desire for suffering because he loved Christ. Because he wanted to be more like him. Because he would have something more in common. He says that I may know him. He wanted experiential knowledge to know his Lord and Savior. And with that we... We could go on for weeks about Paul, but, but that's it. That's the, one, that's the one portion of Paul we'll share tonight. It's been only in messages as a matter of sentences, two or three of them uh, for me before. And so uh, that's what was on my heart. And I don't know what God has done for you in that tonight. But, uh, but I praise the Lord for his word that it doesn't return void.